passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another edition of Thunderstruck, our look back at the greatest matches of one Jushin Thunder Liger, as picked by each and every unique standalone guest host on this series. And today, I'm very excited to welcome back to post-wrestling, someone who appeared on the Cruel Summer series. Uh, He's also uh, an announcer on New Japan World, occasionally, not regularly, but hopefully that will change in the near future. He is Mavs Gillis. Mavs. How are you, sir? Very good. It is a beautiful morning in Nova Scotia. The sun is shining. The leaves are changing colors. This might be airing in December, but who knows? But right now, my friend, I'm fantastic, and it's even better to talk to you about uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, so, Mavs, let's let's talk about your fandom in regards to one Jushin Thunder Liger. When did you first discover this man? For me, it was in WCW. And he was one of the guys that brought Japanese pro wrestling uh, into the Monday Night Wars and into the uh, that era of uh, of pro wrestling. Of course, there was always a couple guys that were around uh, from the Japanese side in in wrestling, but Liger was one of those high flyers that you'd see him on on your screen, and think, "Oh shit, I got to watch this. This guy's amazing," um, and. To watch, to to see just the length of his career, the more you you study Liger and the more you got to know him, it's it's mind blowing to think that he's just retiring now, and still able to go at the level that he is. Yeah, I mean he he's in amazing condition when he when he doesn't wear a shirt. It's like whoa, that guy's fifty five. Yeah, this guy's jacked. And you you you've seen him in person. I, I did. He was the first he was the first guy I met from New Japan uh, that was uh, that was a wrestler. As I said, me and Lanny were sitting on the bus. This head popped up. He didn't recognize the two guys sitting in the announcer seats in the bus. Came over and said, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Liger," and I was absolutely flabbergasted to see the uh, the guy without the mask, but blown away that that's the first guy you meet on the New Japan tours, Jushin Thunder Liger, the legend. Was he wearing his Kishin Liger uh, makeup? Uh, I will neither confirm nor deny the Kishin Liger uh, while hopping on the bus there, WH. We got to uh, keep, keep, we got to keep, yes, got to keep the kayfabe there. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you, and how do you feel about like, we talked about his retirement just now, like, um, how do you feel? He's going to retire on, uh, you know, January 5th is going to be his last match and January 6th is going to be his retirement ceremony. 
I think the way they're giving him a, a wonderful send off is is great. I think he truly deserves it. It's I know for some guys they say they're retiring and they they get a two week tour and then a final match with the the ten bell salute and away they go. For Liger, he deserves he deserves to be touring the world and everyone gets to show their appreciation for what he provided for the world of professional wrestling. Um, it's going to be weird to not see him in the ring. I hope he stays uh, with commentary. I hope he kicks around. I hope he stays with the dojo and is training the the young lions and those coming through the dojo program because he's a guy that just loves pro wrestling. Like he break in, he would break into the dojo so that he'd be able to train at night when no one else was around. He's he lives there half the year, anyways. He's fifty five and he's still living that dojo life. There's a guy that just loves pro wrestling almost as much as he loves Godzilla. D- oh, he's a big Godzilla fan. Yeah, he's got a big big collection of figures. Oh, see, we, we're learning a lot of things here that you might not hear on other podcasts, everyone. Here on Thunderstrike, you are, we have now confirmation that Jushin Thunder Liger is a big Godzilla otaku. There you go. Yeah, that's, I, 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 I read that somewhere that, that he was a big collector of uh, Godzilla figurines. And it's, uh, you know, for a guy that's, that's known for a character um, – from a comic book and also kind of become a identified with Japanese pro wrestling. It's why not be identified with another cultural Japanese icon. There you go. Um, Let's also, let me ask you one more question before we get to the match. And that is, do you have like kind of a wish list of who you would like to see Liger face in his absolute last match on January 5th? Absolute last match, January 5th. Ooh, that's a, I, They've got such a stacked card for the January 4th uh, tag match. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd be – I don't know if I'm qualified to say who who to put in that well, match. Like, like what would your – who would your dream opponent be? Like someone who's still around these days for his last singles match because I, I do believe it's going to be a singles match. For his last – like I enjoyed the blow off with Minoru Suzuki at King of Pro Wrestling. Who, who would I put him in that for that last match? Jeez, that's a tough. That's a okay. Well, a, let, let's. It, let, I'll let you, you know think what? about it. I'll let you think you about it. You know what? It. I would love to see him go against Will Osprey. Will Osprey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, him, that's a good choice. Yeah, put him against Osprey. Osprey's been uh, is a guy that's such a spectacular high flyer. Has his mat wrestling down. Is it can go. If you got a chance to put him against someone, that's. You know, I know Osprey's. He's, he's trying to go heavy now, right? Yeah. No, he's still. Yeah, but put him, put him against Liger. Okay, for the title, for the junior title, and he wins the junior title as like the last hurrah. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a bad idea. So he's up to twelve, and they're able to retire the belt as the uh, IWGP Jushin Thunder Liger title. You know, who my uh, dream opponent is for his last match. Who's that? Uh, Super Liger. You remember Super Liger? Not off the top of my head. Yeah, oh, you never saw the Super Liger gimmick? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> you know who who Super Liger is under the mask? I'm gonna guess Taguchi. <laughs> no, no, this it's it's a, it's a Canadian wrestler. 
Okay, who is it? It's Chris Jericho. Oh. Okay. You know what? As, after this, this show is done, go out I, and search out Super Liker. I, he has this god-awful match in the Tokyo Dome with Koji Kanemoto. It's horrible. Okay. Okay. I will look up Super Liger. And, Super, think- and Super Liger is something that Chris Jericho does not want to talk about. Trust me. Okay. What if he puts a, What if he wrestles Captain New Japan? Oh, fuck. No, please. No. Captain fucking New Japan. No, like I like the, here. Here, so here's my idea. Really, like seriously, Hiromu. Yep. If he if he's ready to go, if he's back, Ooh. Hiromu. Okay, put him over. Put over her. Yeah. I, Pass the torch. I'd love it. Just I'd love it on the fact of seeing Hiromu back as well. So okay, so here, here's the idea. Hiromu beats Osprey on the fourth okay. for the title, and then he says, okay. "I'm gonna fight Liger in his retirement match for the title," and Liger beats him. <laughs> title and then they have the best of the super juniors coming up like later in the spring they don't have a, a iwgp junior champion and then the best of the super juniors is to crown the new champion oh so you would say a super junior tournament to crown a new champion yeah like so liger's a champion until the and then he vacates it the the day of the finals maybe that might just tie into the match we're about to talk about wh yeah okay so mass tell us which match did you pick for thunderstruck I picked Owen Hart versus Jushin Thunder Liger, top of the Super Juniors 2. Their match uh, was basically a quarterfinal without being a quarterfinal. Both guys sitting at six points, and they needed eight to get into the semifinals of the top of the Super Junior, which was a match, which was a tournament that kind of preceded best of Super Junior, kind of evolved into that. And Liger went into this tournament as the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, vacated the belt, put it on the line in the tournament, and Liger needed to win to get to the semis, as did Owen Hart. And I, I picked I picked the match also because I, I wanted to, you know, give a little recognition to Owen Hart's time in New Japan as well. And there's a relationship that was formed with Liger and Owen Hart in their their time when Liger was training in Stampede Wrestling. For four months, he was in Calgary. Um, he worked – he was in the dungeon. Liger and Owen tagged um, quite a bit in their time in Stampede as well. They had a couple matches. I mean you could find – you can find Owen versus uh, Yamada beforehand you can find their tag matches in stampede and you can also find the 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 uh matches where it's it's liger and owen hart but this was the uh this was the match i i picked out of it it's it's definitely a, a match that you see elements of that stampede style which is hard hitting and real really laying the stuff in and making sure they, they good mat wrestling, but, but making you, making you feel what they're going through in the ring. So that's, that was the match that, that this is, this is one of the reasons I, I picked the match. Yeah. I mean, um, definitely like just on that point, I, I think there's something to be said that, you know, the, the Calgary, the stampede wrestling style out of Calgary is basically what informs the junior heavyweight style of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you had, of course, you know, the, the the people who like laid that foundation are Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid, who got his start in Stampede. Then later on, Liger, who worked in Stampede. And then um, you, you had Owen Hart come over. You had Chris Benoit come over. You had like, you know, Liger faced 
Brian Pillman, who came from Stampede and WCW. So a lot of this stuff is like things that were, you know, like were kind of foundations that the Hart family kind of set down in Calgary that was kind of imported into not, I don't know necessarily the heavyweight style of New Japan, but definitely in the junior heavyweight style. There's, there's a, there's, there's an aspect of, you know, Calgary Stampede wrestling in the DNA of New Japan junior heavyweight wrestling from, from the eighties up until 2019. And you know what? And we talk about how it's the Calgary style. Maybe, and WH, we're, we're both Canadian. We can we can hit on maybe it's this hard hitting style that comes for from junior heavyweights comes from that little bit of an inferiority complex that comes from being a Canadian against the world or being the junior heavyweight against the the heavyweight style in that we we want to show them what we got we want to show we want to show them something they've never seen before and you see just just how tough these these guys are coming out of coming out of the out of the dungeon and you got Stu training these guys training them the submission holds training them just arm bars locks submissions but the evolution of that with the high flying, as you talked about the alumni that came over and one of Liger's best matches is him and Brian Pillman. And you have the training from the, from the dungeon shown off on a, on a grand stage with WCW in that match as well. But you, you're getting glimpses of it here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, just for more, uh, more information about this match, it's, it's on April 28th, uh, 1991. It's like you said, it's part of the top of the super juniors, uh, uh, the second edition of this tournament, which is the precursor to the best of the super juniors uh, tournament we see now, it emanates from the Omiya Skate Center in Omiya, Saitama, Japan. And yeah, this is uh, this is uh, where where can we find this match? I I where did I find this match? I'm trying to think. Uh, I think I found it on Daily Motion. Yeah, it's it's around. It's not on. It's not on World for some reason. And there's there's a lot of stuff just like the Disney Vault, New Japan World, has some stuff uh, locked away, but will hopefully break out someday. Yeah, this this could be one of those matches. I I don't know the dealings of Japanese TV contracts and distribution deals, but uh, hopefully someday. You know, there's not a lot of Owen Hart on on New Japan World, which is a, it's a bit of a shame because of. You know he's he's one of the, he's the first foreign-born IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and you know he he had a he had a very good very good run in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but, but one of the other facts about this match is this is oh, this is Owen Hart's last match in New Japan. There you go. So it's a very historical match, and and uh, we'll talk about the what we think about this match uh, as we go through. Obviously, it's a it's a favorite of yours. I will give uh, my th- overall thoughts at the end of the review of the match itself. So let's start with the the match review, Mavs. So Owen comes out and he is wearing a very Canadian uh, outfit. It's red yeah. and white, and it's adorned everywhere with maple leaves. And uh, just I was like, he is super Canadian in this ma- in in this match. Now this is what the this is what the people have tuned in for, because they've tuned in to hear WH talk about the gear. I want I want your thoughts on the Owen on the Owen gear. 
I mean, we know Liger, what Liger's wearing, but what's your thoughts on Owen Hart's gear? Oh, I love it. I, I mean, I like the he's he's wearing the same basic, you know, the setup as like Brett, right? So he's wearing long tights with boots and knee pads, and then he's wearing a singlet top. So very similar to what what Bret Hart, his older brother, would wear throughout most of his career. And he's wrestling in Japan, so he's like, okay, I gotta show that I'm a Canadian, so I'm gonna wear you know, red and white gear, and there's going to be Maple Leafs on it. Listen, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen a wrestler wear, you know. Why would, why would I dislike this? This is Canadian. I'm Canadian. Mavs, I live in Japan. I've lived here for a long time. But in my heart, my heart of hearts, I am still that kid that grew up in Toronto. I, I, I don't blame you. You keep those roots, bud. So my match review on this, it's... um. Starts off a lot of fire, lot like the the hip tosses, arm drags, the uh, the hammer lock. Everything is so crisp, and you get the first bit of high flying when Owen does a spectacular move, just a springboard off the top rope into a uh, into a hip toss. Then you see him flip over Liger and another hip toss, and Owen is just showing. He's showing that high flying ability. He's getting in his offense early, and followed up by a a great flat plancha to the outside. Just everything reeks of aggression in the start of this. There's a couple now. I know it it cools off a bit in the in the middle, which that's fine. You're going to get your arm bars. You're going to get your hammer locks. You're going to get Owen and 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 Liger just isolating body parts and trying to wear down wear down arms some some great surfboards there's one one spot here where liger gets owen out on the apron and you often like you you see the tees or sorry liger's on the apron and, and owen's in the ring you, we see the tees all the time for guys getting suplexed to the outside it in today's wrestling liger just picks owen up and suplexes him to the outside of the ring you, I was showing that around the office. Guys c- couldn't believe it because they, you never see that in today's wrestling. It's very rare, but like you're, you're painting a very like broad picture of this match. I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna fill in some of the yeah. details for you, and then I'm gonna catch up to where you get. But let, yeah. let me just go back to the beginning of the match. And so, yeah, you're you're very right. There's a lot of fire throughout the whole match. And so we start off with a, with each guy jockeying for position and flipping and rolling out of wrist locks with Liger gaining the upper hand early with a fireman's takeover. There's a test of strength that sees Owen escaping by bouncing off the top rope, backflips into a hip toss. There's a second hip toss that is countered by Liger. Owen uh, counters that by backflipping off of Liger's head. It's a very signature Owen Hart move. And another hip toss, and then he gives a, he takes it into a head scissors, a takeover onto Liger, and then he drops Liger to the outside. And this is all within like a two-minute span here. Uh, then you mentioned the plancha from Owen onto Liger, who's outside of the ring, and then he gives him a dropkick into the barricade. So this match is super hot in the first five minutes alone, Mavs. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and as the first five minutes is that drop kick from Owen into Liger, just really laying it in on the uh, on the on the guardrail, and yeah, Owen Owen's so good at attacking the mat in 
when he's getting when he's get when he was getting thrown around, just really going hard to the canvas and making you know these guys are both making each other look great. Definitely. Uh, from here, uh, Owen sends Liger back into the ring and hits a snap suplex and slows it down at this point with the rear chin lock. Uh, Liger hits two kitchen sinks uh, and suplexes Owen to the outside, that, the spot that you mentioned, from the apron. And I, at this point, I made a note that this is very reminiscent of... Uh, it, feel, it feels very much like a Dynamite Kid Tiger Mask match. Mm. Would you, would you, what, what do you think about that? Uh, that yeah, it's, I mean, that's... That's a great assessment. Both these, both those guys, had uh, had no fear, and you're seeing them really put on put on a show and wanting to wanting to go move for move against each other. Well, I really think I get the feeling that Owen is very much trying to emulate that Dynamite Kid because he knows that you know Dynamite has such a, you know a super following and and people are so familiar with with his style of wrestling like some of his signature moves like the snap suplex and even like the the, the suplex from the apron to the outside these are very much things that you would see in a Satoru Sayama Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid match. Uh, from here uh, Liger hits his own drop kick into the barricade so he throw, he sends Owen into the barricade really really stiffly with this with this really brutal looking drop kick he uh he then applies an indian death like uh death lock onto owen and then at some point he stands up liger stands up and then he falls back applying this uh, amazingly painful looking torque to owen's knees yeah and and you you hear you hear owen just wrenching in pain on the uh on the audio of it picking it up on the camera there and yeah the as you say, we we talked about the high flyingness, but then these guys get on the mat. They they show you the mat wrestling aspect of it. They're they're putting in arm bars. They're they're putting legs locks. They're putting in surfboards. It's uh for it started off real hot, and then they they brought it right back down. But it's still like a very but, you know engaging yeah, it's, match it's, for the crowd. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're watching. You're watching Test of Strength, and they talk about wrestling. You want to isolate a body part and work on it, and you see Owen just hammering away at the uh, at the inside of uh, of Liger's arms at, at one point, and he's just sticking with that with that right arm. By the way, that the the, uh, the Northern Light suplexes on uh, in in this match as well, and I lo- I'm, I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for getting. For when a guy puts his head under under the arm of another guy and then just flips him up over him, I am a sucker for a good Northern Lights. Yeah, you're, so you're a big uh, Hiroshi Hase mark then. Yes, yes, and that's and Hase and Owen were were good friends apparently, and that was part of the reason why Owen got that that title in '88. Uh, well, I mean, Hase was the uh, infamous Viet Cong Express. I think it was yeah, two. True. Was he Viet Cong Express two? He was one or two. It's a good. It's a good point. Yeah, he comes from, get comes out of that stampede territory as well. He's he had experience there. Let, let, let's just say this: eighties wrestling is not woke. You'll see a lot no. of these uh, kind of you know ethnically charged gimmicks, so to speak. Um, let's move on. Yeah. Let's get back to the match. Uh, hey, uh, I- from this point, uh, Owen. Like you're talking about all this mat work. So Owen, there's a big there's a big segment where Owen's just regaining control by working over 
Liger's left arm with arm bars, with hammer locks, with, with arm DDTs, etc. Uh, Liger is finally able to reverse his fortunes by applying his own Fujiwara arm bar to Owen's left arm. So they're kind of working each other's left arms. That seems to be like the, the story of this match at this point, uh, at, at this particular section of the match. Uh, Owen is able to escape the Fujiwara by reaching the ropes. Uh, from here, Liger transitions to his signature Romero special and then moves him into uh, a pendulum style stretch and from here he's able to get a series of two counts on Owen but you know Owen Hart is not staying down at, at this point in the match no and and as you say that that uh that pendulum stretch right right on the screen again just Liger specials as you talk about and you you see him really torque and really wrench it and really really get the advantage back in the match yeah, it's it, people like wrestling is a work, obviously, but a lot of these holds hurt. You have to be a really skilled person to like apply it so it looks realistic, and and it does hurt, but like to not really seriously injure anyone because like there's so much pressure. Like Owen's knees are like his legs are are you know like kind of like you know positioned behind his knees. He's he's got his arms you know in a you know. It, pinned to you know behind him and like and he and Liger's carrying him this is just goes to show you like Owen's not a light man he's a junior heavyweight but he's not a light man and and Liger's just holding this guy in this very awkward position and he's swinging him back and forth like like a pendulum that's why they call it the pendulum stretch but it just goes to show you like the amount of skill that you know for one you, you just can't put anyone in this move the person you know in the hold has to be skilled enough to be able to like you know keep their balance, and then the person doing it, Liger in this case, has to be skilled enough to be able to like you know strong enough and skilled enough to hold the, the person in this position for like I don't know two, three minutes. Yeah, normal bodies don't contort that way. No, they don't. I I, <laughs> I would never want to be put in that in that move or the Romero no. special for God's sakes. No, I I people have hard time stretching to touch their toes. Can you imagine being thrown into? into a, a forcible hold like that and saying, all right, we're going to hold this. We're going to hold this move for a minute. Just, just trust me on this one. I got you. And you know, that goes back to, that goes back to wrestling where it's guys trusting each other with their bodies. Uh, from here, Owen backflips over Liger to dodge a backdrop, but is met with a big capo kick, another signature Liger move. And uh, Liger follows that up with a clothesline that sends Owen to the outside. So the match has moved back to the outside. Uh, Liger goes to the top and hits a beautiful crossbody block to Owen, who's uh, still on the floor. This is like the this is the peak of like you know Jushin Liger's like uh, crazy daredevil like high flying stunts that he would like kind of you know tone down post his uh, brain tumor surgery. Yeah, you just you just see the elevation from him on that one as well, and watch him connect with Owen. Then, but it's a, the high flying style Liger, but it's uh, it's unlike it's unlike stuff that we we were used to over in North America. To see it, I mean, you wouldn't see moonsaults, you wouldn't see this type of stuff in '91 with the wrestling I was watching in uh, with WWF. No, definitely, you know, Owen is wrestling a much different style of match than his brother Brett would be in the WWF at, at this time, you know, so. But, and, and just as a side note, as a side note on this, I'm, I'm watching Owen in his New Japan matches. I'm watching what he's doing. 
And in my head, I'm trying to figure out how did the WWF at the time take a look at this guy and say, yeah, you know what? Blue Blazer. Will uh, your Bret Hart's brother? Yeah, we'll put you under a mask and we'll try to get you over with this Blue Blazer gimmick. I know it's 80s wrestling. The, the guys from OSW Review would be the first one to say it was acceptable in the 80s. But the talent that Owen Hart has, and you're going you're gonna to have him put on the mask and, and try to tone down. I, he's, the stuff he's doing in this ring, if he was doing it in WWF in 88 as, as the Blazer, who knows if he'd be coming back to, or if they just had him out as Owen Hart. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the you know the devil's advocate and say like I, I I like the the gimmick itself the character at the time I thought was a really smart idea because like you know it's a it's a you want a character that you can market to kids like and when I was a kid like I liked mask wrestlers I like who's the guy in the mask oh he's like a superhero because I read comic books like so you're gonna naturally be drawn to that if you're a younger member of the audience and which at the time in the 80s like most of the audience were were kids right sure. so. But I do agree with you on, on the fact that they did tone him down. Like, if they let him be what he was in Stampede, what he was in New Japan, like, yeah, I think he would have, like, got over. But it's, I'll just, you got to think of all the, the political forces in the company at that time, including Vince. Like, he, he's, it's a big man's company. The 80s are WWF is, is a big man's company. It's the era of Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, you know? Like, even Savage is a big dude, right? So, yeah. like, DiBiase, these guys are all you know big dudes you know you know to varying degrees like owen's like small compared to them he's still kind of like in that junior heavyweight phase of his career and he's not like when he's the king of hearts later on when he turns heel against brett and he joins up with like yokozuna and all that like that's what that's when he kind of becomes more of a heavyweight and he wrestles more like a heavyweight then but i i do think like along with Owen as the blue blazer that they missed a big opportunity with like say Coco Beware because like if you watch Coco Beware on the in, in the territories before he gets to the WF he he is like so watered down in the WF like Coco Beware is a tough mofo on the in Memphis and other places that he works before he gets to the WF like and then what you see in the WF is a very 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 toned down Coco Beware like like I I really think if like they put they put Owen and Coco as a tag team high energy right. Like yep. if they let them just be their non WWF selves, those guys would have like killed everyone. They would have had killer matches with all the great tag teams at that time. Like I, I don't know if the Rockers had broken up by then. They might have broken up by then. But like, can you imagine Coco Beware and Owen Hart against the Rockers? And like, I don't know. I'm trying to think what year would it be. Maybe eighty eight. Yeah. Eighty eight would have been a great year for that. You know, and like and against the Brainbusters or you know. Whoever else was, or the the Orient Express, Patanaka, and uh, who is it? Sato and Sato at the time, not Paul Diamond version, but with the the Japanese guy Sato. Yeah, that I I remember watching. I remember seeing High Energy back at a host show, taking on Horowitz and Skinner. So you could imagine, <laughs> it's not quite not quite the same tag team experience. After the uh, the tag teams you just listed off, and then saying Horowitz and Skinner. <laughs> well, yeah, Steve Kern is not the greatest uh, worker in the, the Skinner gimmick, and and Barry O is just you know Barry Barry Horowitz is not he he's not a bad worker, but he's like um, yeah he's just he's just a jobber, right? It's like yeah. you know who like the modern day Barry Horowitz is. Who would that be? It's Chase Owens. Chase Owens is the modern day Barry Horowitz. He's he's a good jobber who does some flashy moves, 
but that's all he is. He's a jobber. He, he looks like a jobber. He wrestles like a jobber. And I get my little Chase Owens dig in there. And uh, there you go. I don't want to get heat on you if you ever have to talk to Chase in the future. That's a uh, you're you're entitled to your opinion, WH, my friend. Yeah, no, it's my show, so I am definitely entitled of to. Of course. Opinion. But getting back to the match, uh, get back to Liger Owen. Yeah. Yep. Back, so back in the ring, uh, Owen does a backflip over Liger. He he leapfrogs over Liger. He gives Liger a belly to belly suplex uh, for a big two count, and the crowd, Maz, I have to know, the crowd is very hot for this match at this point, because they, they can sense that we're reaching the crescendo of this match. Uh, there's a big Liger call from the, the fans here in the Omiya uh, Skate Center. Uh, a German suplex for a, with a bridge for a one and a two. Uh, Liger counters uh, after with a lariat, and then uh, he counters a lariat attempt by Owen with a crucifix uh, slide for a two, big two count there. This is a very exciting part of the match, Baz. It's, it's very much... You know, similar to the part where, you know, we would get to the uh, the similar part in a G1 review that we did on, on Cruel Summer, uh, except there's no stranglehold gamma on this in this match. No, there's no gammas. There's no betas. It's it's straight up. It's straight up. Yeah. Uh, Liger yeah. counters and an Owen cross body block from the top turnbuckle with a midair dropkick. Just one of my favorite spots in any match involving guys like like Liger or Owen or Brian Pillman or, or what have you. Uh, Owen ducks under a spinning wheel kick, but uh, is sent over the top rope with a backdrop. Uh, Owen jumps from the apron to the top turnbuckle. Uh, it hits a beautiful twisting cross body block, with uh, which Liger reverses for a two count. So he kind of catches him and just rolls through it. This is really, it's, it's just like such an amazing match so far at this point. That's that's a textbook Owen Hart move. That that is one of his signatures right there to go to do the uh, off the top and then flip just the moonsault into the pin. You see that so many times out of Owen Hart. But a, a good roll through, just keep that keep that heat building. Yeah. So Owen hits a tombstone pile driver and goes to the top. He hits a diving headbutt, very reminiscent of the Dynamite Kid, for a big two count of, of his own. Uh, Owen plants Liger near the corner with a slam and then hits a beautiful moonsault for a one, a two. Oh, he kicks out. Uh, it's only a two count on Liger here. This is, and now they're just pulling out all the stops here at Babs. Yeah, and, and everyone, you know, the, this crowd knows what's on the line. It's a trip to the semifinals of the uh, top to Sooner, Super Junior 2. So they're, they're, they're building it up, building it up to, the, to Owen potentially eliminating the, uh, the guy who gave up the title to go into the tournament. Yeah, and like the, the, the crowd is aware of the stakes. Uh, the, you know, Owen and Liger are both aware of the stakes, and, and you know it's, it's evident in, in the match how important this match is for them. Uh, Liger catches Owen as he's climbing to the top and locks him atop his, on top of his shoulders. As he, and he, as Liger kind of climbs up the, sho- like the ropes himself with Owen on his shoulder, and then he falls back, slamming Owen to the mat. A cover, a one, a two, two count. Oh, Another big false finish here. Uh, Owen is placed on the top tum- top turnbuckle, but fights off Liger. This is probably my favorite part of the match, Mav. So he's fighting off Liger with headbutts and punches. Liger counters with a dropkick that dazes Owen. And then he hits a nasty-looking top rope DDT for the one, the two, and the three. This is the end of the match. And this is... I, I saw this DDT, and I'm like, man, that is a brutal looking DDT and I don't think he really used it that much in his career. No. And, and I don't, I'm trying, I, I was trying to recollect who, who would break out top rope DDTs 
in in their matches. Like I'm just watching it back again now, and it was another spot that I was showing around the office. Just like that is a that is such a crazy finish and such a crazy move. All right, top rope DDT. Let's go for it. Liger coming down flat on his back, and Owen just. <laughs> You see, I think it's a Tory checking in on on Owen's shoulders and spine on that on that finish as well off the top rope DDT. Yeah, it's it's certainly for everything that they threw in that final that final segment to finish on that move makes complete sense. And the you know the, the struggles like of like oh, mm-hmm. Owen's trying to keep Liger off of him because he he feels like okay like if if we're if we're thinking that this is a real fight and that they're and they're making us feel like it's a real fight then he doesn't want he knows Liger's going to finish him off if he if he grabs a hold of him because like we're at the point of the match and they've both worn each other down Liger has worn Owen down more more so obviously so he's trying to desperately get keep him from getting to the top rope himself but you know Liger is able to get up there and you know it, it goes to show you the amount of trust that that owen has in liger that he trusts him to you know cradle his head under his arm and then fall yep. backwards and he has to fall down from the top rope that's what people don't realize like taking a ddt in of itself you know you, you run a risk it's a pretty safe move from what i understand but you run a risk but it, it's exponent the risk is you know is like uh, it's like exponentially higher when you're doing it from the top yeah. rope um, let's take take that risk up six feet and uh, multiply it. And, you know, like one of some of Liger's moves that I've, you know, reviewed in past episodes, like there's a series of like top rope fisherman busters, which are devastating looking, but, you know, there's a grace to them. There's a grace to his, his, his brain buster, whether it's the avalanche version or it's a regular version. But this DDT is just ugly. It's not, not, not in a bad, it's a bad wrestling move. Ugly. It's, Ugly. It looks nasty. It looks vicious. It looks like yeah. something I would never even want to attempt anyone to use on me in, in a wrestling match unless they were Jushin fucking Liger. Yeah, and it's something that you don't you do not see top rope DDTs. I mean, you see some elevated DDTs sometimes where guys are got their feet up on the on the top rope and they're they're flat to the uh, to the mat when they're going down. But that top rope DDT that Liger gives to Owen Hart just. Puts the exclamation point on the match, finishes it off, and you think, yeah, that's that's definitely that's the move that's going to finish this match. It it both guys threw the kitchen sink at each other at the start. They worked themselves over, and you have moonsault, 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 flying off the top rope, a a drop kick to counter a uh, high risk maneuver, and then oh, let's go top rope to EDT. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it definitely it as you say it built to its crescendo. Definitely, definitely. And this, believe it or not, this match is only 14 minutes and 58 seconds. So it feels like a longer match, but that's, I think, more because the scope of it feels like it should be a longer match. But it, it's a very easy 15 minutes to watch. It, it breezes by very quick. It's a, it's more or less a sprint from the beginning and slows down. But there's a lot of, like, like fast transitions and, and countering of, like, arm locks and the leg locks and all the, the submission moves in this match. And then they just pick up the pace. I think one thing that we have to give Liger a lot of credit for, and even Owen Hart too, but mostly Liger is in control of this match, that he is an expert at pacing a match. If it needs to go, like, 15 minutes, he'll pace it for 15 minutes. And it, it doesn't feel like you, you got shortchanged. If it needs to go 30 minutes, 
it 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 would be a very easy thirty minute match to watch. I feel and like I've not yet seen uh, a, a, an over twenty minute Liger match so far that I thought was a drag to watch. It was they've all been easy, very easy viewings for me. Yeah, they're they've been entertaining. They've been very entertaining. Okay, so uh, final thoughts for me. This is an amazing match between two absolute legends of professional wrestling and Jushin Thunder Liger and, of course, the late great Owen Hart. Um, these guys, and you, you, t- you touched upon them that they had history together, but that and that history and that chemistry that these two developed with each other is so evident in this match. Uh, definitely a high recommendation for me. It's it is it's not on New Japan World, but it is easy to find. Uh, I'll probably put a, a you know if you're listening to this uh, after uh, reading the show description, I'll probably have tried to put a show a link to that match uh, on the show in the show description. If you're not listening to this before reading that or i'm confusing myself now but uh <laughs> if you're gonna go check the show description after you're gonna look for this match uh, go to the show description and hopefully there's i'll have put a link up there for this match if not it's not that like matt said it's not that hard to find yeah and and you know what and the other owen hart liger match that i saw owen's wearing uh owen's wearing bright blue gear as well and that's actually labeled as this match on the date um but it's not so it's not. It's it's from a year before. So you want to make if you want to if you want to see that Owen Hart Liger top of the Super Junior last match, look for that Maple Leaf. Yeah, it's the, it's the red it's the red and white gear with the Maple Leaf. Yep. He where he looks very Canadian. It's the very Canadian. Says, it's not the where he says, it's not the uh it's it's not the blue gear. It's not his blue blazer yep. gimmick uh, gear. So yeah, you can still watch that. I'm sh- I haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna watch it. I'm sure that's a good match too. Obviously, yep. but also good. Yeah. So so Mavs, any final thoughts about uh, yeah Liger? He's retiring at, in, on January sixth. Uh, any final thoughts on this match? Real good send off for Owen, even if. <laughs> If if he didn't know this, yeah, this was his last match in New Japan. He went off on a banger. Um, Liger again, absolute legend, goes on and loses in the finals of Top of Super Junior, and this so he doesn't win his IWGP Junior Heavyweight Crown um, over the tournament. Again, a solid match has a bit of a bit of everything that you'd want. In a match, you've got your high flying, you've got your technical wrestling, um, you've got, yeah, it, it's and you know what you you made a really good point, WH, on the pacing of the match where it is it is 15 minutes, so it seems as if they've they've blocked it out very well. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put this segment in here th- for three minutes where we're we're doing our our arm drags uh, and our hip tosses. All right, we're going to go back out to the floor. We'll do it again. We'll get our high-flying stuff in here. We'll get our submission holds in here. And, uh, yeah, it's it's compelling. It's very compelling, and, and the crowd is eating it up as well, which is a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the crowd knew they were watching something special. So, Mavs, if people want to find more of you, where can they find you? Uh, at Mavs Gillis. You can find me there. And, uh, yeah, we're just uh, – Keeping fingers crossed that we'll be back on the other side of the Pacific sooner rather than later. Still, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're keeping keeping ready to be on the uh, New Japan World broadcast, doing English broadcasting, and enjoying uh, 
enjoying the company at the at the table there and enjoying the best wrestling action in the world. And maybe you and I can enjoy uh, some some lunch at uh, Kokoichiban's in the future. Yes, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to meet up my last trip, unfortunately. I I do want to go to Nakano Broadway, so we got to make that oh. a stop. Well, we'll stop That's... at uh, we'll we'll have dinner in in that area then. There's some nice okay. izakayas and uh, so maybe some some nabe restaurants we can we can hit up there while we're we're in Nakano. Yeah. Um, of course, you can find me at WH Park Nine. Of course, you can find me every month doing the Post Perez podcast with John Pollock here at postwrestling.com. And on behalf of Mavs, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning into this particular show. And of course, tuning into previous episodes of Thunderstruck and uh, to continue conti- uh, tuning in to future episodes. We're not done yet, folks. I still got about mm, 15 more, maybe, maybe more after this. So you're not you're not done with me yet. So stay tuned. There's a lot more Liger to come. And, uh, and until I see everyone on the next episode, I will say goodbye. Goodbye.